0: Yeah. Hello, everyone. It's Chawan again, and today I am with my friend and someone I have worked with professionally a couple of times. Actually, more than just a couple of times, quite a few times. Uh, this is Ivy Bromius, and I love her take on magic. It's super practical but it also appeals to sort of like that INFJ. And if you guys don't know what an INFJ is, it's like a Myers-Briggs thing, but she's able to take things systematically and put magic on top of that. So it's like the best of the mundane with the magic on top. It's a really cool system that she has. I love her blog. She has an amazing manifesto that you can download if you sign up for a newsletter. And if you go through her blog, she, like, lays it out in a very organized way. And you could read about her philosophy of magic, but also just of life and what a person should do to lead, I think, a more effective life. That's the way that she has beautifully laid it out. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed working with her so much. So, Ivy, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. That was a really lovely intro, so I really appreciate that. What I really
0: found striking about your blog and just the way that you help your clients is that you're very much in that camp of let's do that 80% mundane work and then let's add that 20% magic to really push it to as close to like guaranteed results as possible. You're mixing in our earthly experience with the actual sort of ethereal, magical ritual stuff. You are a professional project manager. So what is that exactly, a
1: PPM? Yeah, so I have, um, so I have been a project manager and now program manager for a really long time in a kind of corporate setting. And I have a PMP, which is a professional project manager certification with like a test and all of that. But in addition, I have a lot of uh, history in kind of magic and tarot reading. And it came to me over the years as I was becoming a project manager that there's a real overlap. So to start... Project management is just kind of a toolbox of things that can help get things done. That's that's fundamentally it. When I started to uh, start on the blog, I got some really good advice from Jason Miller, uh, who said, you know, most of the people who are your audience already have magical practices. They already do the magic, but they do, what they don't have is the solid grounding in like how to organize those things or how to approach them, you know, top down and how to coordinate. And so that was kind of my goal was to, um, you know, focus a little more pragmatically, but not leave the magic out. Because to me, there's not a hard dividing line between uh, magic and mundane. The whole goal is to enchant all of your life. When you're you're looking at some sort of practical result project, like you want to move to a new location or or you want to get a degree or whatever it is, you think of that as purely mundane, but it's not. That's enchanting your life to be better or more interesting or more adventurous or whatever your goals are. And so you can combine the two and I do focus a little more on the practical side because most of my clients need that right so they're I get a lot of witches and I get a lot of magicians who are like I'm doing all this magic and yet you know I'm having a hard time kind of pulling it all together I think
0: Jason talks about how a lot of magic people they'll put on like the success oils before they go into the job interview but by the time they douse themselves with the oil they smell disgusting. They go into the interview and they totally blow it.:
1: Well, and job interviews are a really good example of this because I would never personally go into a job interview and try to enchant the interviewer to like me. I don't want to seem impressive through magic. I want to be impressive through magic. And I think that's the key difference, right? if you If you take magic, internalize it, and then you're becoming more impressive, then you don't have to what you don't have to mean? do that. What's the difference well, between internalizing and externalizing magic? So, if you're, if you're trying to seem impressive to a job interview and you wear an oil or you enchant your resume, and nothing, you can't do any of that. That's all still potentially a legitimate thing, although, yes, if you smell funky, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. But uh, it's moreover that you're using magic to uh, increase your own skill set, to communicate really well, to uh, be articulate and to have a powerful presence of confidence and, and accomplishment or competence, right? Those are the things that will get you a job. And so th- there's a couple of other areas where this makes sense, not just outside of a, a job interview, is if you're trying to start a creative endeavor, right? Let's say uh, writing a novel is a common one that you get. Is If you're starting a, writing a novel, um, you don't want to, A lot of people skip right to, I want to have written a novel and then have it published. But what's better is to internalize the kind of ongoing enchantment and discipline in your life that helps you get the thing written, because that's the hard part, taking the steps to make yourself more in align with the goal you have. And that works more smoothly. I talk about this a lot. A lot of people use magic as sort of like a friction thing. I want to force my way into this or push my way through this. Sometimes you have to do that. But what's better is to think ahead to your goals and then try to find a smooth path to get there.
0: Magicking the process rather than just the end result, right? It's a combination of both. It's like the macro and micro enchantments when i work
1: with people i often have them send me kind of a big you know this like a big brain dump at the beginning one like send me just write everything out dump it out to me and i think sometimes people are surprised that i don't have some sort of fancy organized form but the reason i don't is because it's useful for me to understand where people are coming from some people are visionaries they have a very good idea of kind of goals and dreams but then they have a hard time breaking it down into day-to-day stuff other people are very tactical and day-to-day and they can get things done, but they're not good at tying that back into their long-term vision. And so that's that's the macro and micro. So they're running themselves ragged doing all the things and never thinking about how those pieces go together. So We're grownups, right? So probably the easy stuff we've already done, right? If it was easy for you to, you know, get a degree or get a job, you probably already did that. Goals you struggle with now, the projects that you have, are probably the hard things for you. Those usually have a lot of steps and pieces and getting that organized so that you can, uh, you know, integrate the enchantment with it is really critical.
0: You're doing the tarot beforehand saying like, these goals will be a little bit more smoother, a little bit more easier to achieve. This one is just, mm, probably not. I don't know anybody else who does like tarot, like before like a project management
1: thing. Well, you know, it makes sense because a lot of people will say, oh, before you do a major enchantment, uh, you should probably do a reading and just make sure it's okay. And I'm not really a big fan of doing tarot readings to say yes or no, you should do this one thing. I'm more, the way I approach tarot is that the idea is you're you're finding your optimal path. You're saying, here's a goal. What's the best way to get to this goal? And so why not do that for a major project? A major project is a huge enchantment in your life. You know, you may have three years of work or more before you get to where you want to be. That's a huge enchantment why not do a divination and say what's next for me? And this comes out of kind of my reading of uh, Nassim Taleb and his black swan and anti-fragile. And he would be appalled at my use of his work because what occurred to me in reading the book is um, when I read the black swan, what he says is that a black swan is something devastating that comes at you that you don't expect. The whole point is that, It comes out of nowhere. You can't expect it. It's huge. And it suddenly occurred to me that if you could increase your information gathering, then you can expect it. Then you could maybe see something coming. It's not as risky. It's not a black swan. So I suppose developing tarot readings around how to see a danger coming, how to kind of get the subtle influences that will help you deal with some sort of coming risk that you can't quite see. And so Why not start a major project with a reading to sort of tell you where those pitfalls are or to give you hints on the best way to get to where you're going, right? Not, will I get there in the future? Because whether you'll get somewhere in the future really depends on what you do now. And I think a lot of people who read the cards know that that's true. If you're reading for someone five years out, it's going to be less accurate than reading for someone next week. And the reason is because their own choices along the way impact that result,
0: was the one who said it like Rumsfeld, it's like, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know what you don't know, well then how can you prepare for it? But maybe there is a way to sort of prepare for it by
1: using things like magic. The way I introduced the concept on the blog was through this story of uh, the turkey and the farmer. This came up in the Black Swan book, but I actually think Bertrand Russell did it originally. But the idea is that, so you have a turkey on a farm And the farmer comes and feeds the turkey every day. And now Thanksgiving is coming. Now, from the turkey's point of view, life is golden, right? Some dude comes every morning, fattens me up. Life is great. From the turkey's point of view, Thanksgiving is a huge black swan. It is a crisis that came out of nowhere. But that's not what it is for the farmer. The farmer knows what's going to happen. This isn't a surprise to him. So depending on your perspective and your information, uh, you can... Uh, potentially dodge some things. You can you can reduce the n- amount, the number of uh, unknown unknowns. Taleb has a second book that's uh, called Anti-Fragile. This is an even more powerful concept, although the book is a little bit harder to get into. Um, the idea is that uh, some things are robust and strong, like you know a building, right? And some things are uh, fragile. You know they're they're prone to breaking at the least stress. But there's a third category, and he calls it anti-fragile. Those are things that actually get stronger through uh, forces against it or through chaos. So the example he uses is the human body. The human body actually is strengthened through small tears in the muscles that build the muscles up, right? Or through variations in diet, or periods of fasting, and that's what pretty well medically backed, that the human body actually does better when life is not cushy and consistent and perfect. And if you look at the Western world, life is pretty cushy and consistent, and there's plenty of food around, and it hasn't done us all that well, right, from a you know, health standpoint. So his idea is that if you can be anti-fragile, not only does chaos not hurt you, it helps you. i about this extensively um, on the blog, because it's not... It's not obvious, right? So his thinking is that certainly something that's fragile, he uses the example of a teacup. This thing is like an antique teacup. It's going to break at any second. Well, that's stressful, and any sort of shock can get it. But even uh, very robust things are at risk because a very strong building will crumble in an earthquake. But a building that moves and waves with the earthquake will survive. And this is actually how earthquake-proof buildings are built, like skyscrapers. They actually wave in the wind, and they tend to shift and move. And you can improve your odds of withstanding chaos by having more options, by not getting overcommitted, by uh, you know keeping things flexible yourself. And if you look around, this is it. This is a world of chaos, right? I don't look at the news and think, well, that seems pretty calm. Yeah. It's Right? It's pretty chaotic out there, and there's huge seismic shifts in the way work is happening and how people are making money and uh, governments are undergoing um, you know, these, these shocks uh, globally. This idea that, one, if you can keep the information flowing, you might be forewarned, forewarned being forearmed, but also, if you make your own life a little less fragile, you're anti-fragile, then if something happens, you can weather it and you'll be okay. And magical tools dovetail neatly with that. I know sometimes they talk about the corporate stuff and, and magical types are like, oh, it was, it was corporate. I just tuned out, you know, don't. The way I think about it is we live in a capitalist society, right? So a ton of money goes into corporations. They're like these huge, powerful entities and they're not good, right? Like I'm not arguing, hey, capitalism's great. No. But the thing is, Through the decades, those companies, they've done research on what works. And they're purely pragmatic. Good or evil, these techniques work. These tools work. That's why companies hire project managers, because we help get things done. We help make money for the company. It could be good things, like building a hospital, and it could be bad things, like building a prison. In the end, the tools work. So if you steal those tools, you combine them with magic use them to enchant your own life Mm -hmm. and get out of that model, first of all, it works. It does. And the fact that someone terrible discovered it maybe doesn't mean it doesn't work. But moreover, it's an incredibly, deeply subversive act to steal something out of the corporate world that can be used for their advantage and use it for your own and the people you care about and the communities that you live in. So if you're just stuck in the spot where you just got to get a gig because you gotta pay the rent, then that's where you're at. And you can use magic and you can use these techniques combined to help you. And if you're further along and you've built a career, right, you could still use it. So I I love my job and I can sleep at night, right? Like I don't have the kind of job where I'm, I'm laying in bed at night going, ugh, the war machine or something. No, I have a lovely job and I work with great people, smart people. And at this point I can use kind of my experience to, to adjust my career to have more interesting adventures and experiences. In the end, work may not be something everyone would love to do if they, you know, if you won the lottery, maybe you would quit your job, but at the same time, you can still have great adventures, even if, if you're working.
0: I guess it's very hard for people who are magical to be like, well, you know, my intuition isn't enough, you know? And sometimes, yeah, it isn't, because we all have blind spots. Example, I consider myself to be reasonably self-aware and yet when you and I were working together and I had to draw out all the things that I wanted to do in my life and what was getting in the way like first of all I had deep resistance against doing a lot of it because it was overwhelming then when I finally got around to doing it when you write it down and you actually put it inside I guess a restrictive system so you're basically paring it down to its essence and you're making it super clear and it's facing you, you're like staring at it, you're just like, well, fuck me, right? You're just like, ah, so that's the reason why.
1: And I have to say that I think that's human nature. Uh, I have this toolkit that I've built up over now, like 10 years of, of doing this kind of work professionally. So I have a lot of tools that I can help other people with, but I still have people I go to to lay my own crap out to me because seeing yourself super clearly isn't that easy, If you hire a project manager at a company, your goal is to get your goals done, figure out what the best thing to do is, figure out how to get there, get the project done on time and under budget and make money, right? Because it's a corporate thing. Mm -hmm. If you apply that to a person, it's the same. It's how do I figure out what my best goals are? What will make my life better? And it's not just money, right? It's about a fulfilled life or a creative life. Your own goals may go far beyond just cash, right? So and in fact, they should because we're people, we're not machines or companies. But you can use the same toolkit. So I'm not a life coach because in, in a way, I'm not interested in how you feel. I mean, certainly I, I kind of am, but my point is I'm more interested in what you do and how you step back and like work through this process of saying, okay, what's on my list? The primary goal isn't to make you feel better about your life or to face your fear. The primary goal is to get shit done to meet your goals. And if in the process you face a fear or your life gets smoother or better, you feel better about things, bonus. And then the other piece of it is why not incorporate the magic? I mean, I think uh, the, the more I blend magic into my life, the better both of those things work. When you compartmentalize it into little corners, well, this is the time when we do this one thing, it, do- it doesn't work so well. So you just t- can top to bottom create this sort of um, this sort of plan for magic to help you with whatever goal you have. Magic is a technology.
0: It's it's basically you do it in a certain way, and it's probably going to work. The problem is is that you can't control how it's going to come out, and a lot of it is based upon how well you construct. But when I was throwing these money spells, it's just like, I was just like, oh well, you know, yeah, yay, more money, right? I didn't think, like, why do I want more money? I could have done money magic much more efficiently and much more, I think,
1: aligned with my true goal, which was about freedom. The trick with money is it's not actually a thing. It doesn't actually exist. It's just an idea. It's really just a symbol in and of itself. So if you're just enchanting for this symbol, which... Doesn't really exist, and ninety per, something like ninety seven percent of the money in the world doesn't actually exist. It's purely like numbers in ledgers on computers. Um, that's kind of missing the boat, and that's where you end up with this sort of emergency money magic, where you're like, "I need twenty bucks for this," and you do some magic, and twenty bucks arrives, but it doesn't get you further along the path to kind of prosperity. And so when you enchant for it, you're not there's nothing really concrete there. So the key, I think, the two keys there is one, money is either an object like you can get an object so like if you need money for rent right what you really need is stable housing right and money is just a tool to to pay the bills right so money is the thing that gets you stable housing or food or security for your kids or opportunities and and the other one is optionality money um in and of itself just gives you more options so if you have some money then when something comes along you're more likely to be able to to grab onto it and again, those are both more strategic views. So it's not like um, I would never be one of those people who said, Well, money, money's not important. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, tell that to tell that to the landlord, right? When the, the bills come due. Yeah, money is important, but it's important more for what you can do with it and what options you can have, rather than some sort of entity in of itself. It, someone might want freedom. What you do, the choices you make in your life and the magic you do are gonna be very different for someone who wants freedom rather than someone who wants stability. And both of those are completely legitimate life goals for different people. I don't judge. It's not for me to say what goal is right and what goal is wrong. Different people need different things. If magic didn't work for you, you probably wouldn't be here, right? You wouldn't be doing it. I mean, we we see it working, not always the way we expect, so we keep doing it. But um, it works better as part of a larger plan or campaign. Magic magic campaign's a good one right so you're you have some big goal or project and you want to like enchant it end to end and so I talk a lot about techniques like initiating projects and like literally initiating them as sort of an entity with a symbol or a, a concept and a name and it becomes kind of like an egregore that you can work with and then within that you have larger goals that you enchant for and then you have small tasks Tactical pieces that you enchant for as well, so you can do the mini magic but it's part of a, a larger theme or goal in your life. My own personal practice is extremely sort of kind of wild and witchy, right? I'm, I, you know, I I like sigils because they're quick and dirty and they're agile, and you can like throw some out and throw some more out, and I like that. I can do it on a whim. I can, um, I I I, I do a lot of kind of ecstatic practice. So you wouldn't think it, right? Because I'm like, oh, I'm a project manager and I'm boring a corporate, but. My personal practice can get very wild. The key is that I have this overarching structure where I'm working on a larger goal for my life. And so things will fit into the structure. It doesn't mean it has to be boring. You can still go dance naked under the full moon in a circle of witches if that's your jam, if that's what you want to do. And you can still practice at all hours of the day and night. It's not, it's not supposed to be boring and corporate. It's just supposed to give a little bit of framework and structure to all this cool stuff you're doing so that in the end you end up with kind of the life you want. And I have to say that when it comes to various life goals, being enlightened, having spiritual experiences, having weirdness in your life just for the sake of enjoying it is a totally legitimate goal as well. But it's still something you have to plan for, Mm -hmm. you know, so that you don't end up unemployed and homeless while you're busy having some great spiritual experience. In the Western world, especially, we're really bad at deciding what makes us happy because we think like Gucci shoes and shiny cars will make us happy, but they really don't. Uh, So what is figuring out happiness other than a big science experiment to try stuff out and see if it if it um, if it works for you? they're not going to know at the start exactly how they're going to get there. So they have to try different stuff out, right? Which is kind of the process where you say, these are multiple paths, which ones from a divination standpoint seem like the best idea. Now we move forward with those for a while and we see if they're working for us. And if not, we try something else, which sounds awfully chaotic, but you just do it in this organized way. And in the end, uh, you'll get further by trying things that don't work by not trying anything. Because the tyranny of choice is a real problem, and I see this all the time. People can't decide what of many options to pursue, and so they just freeze up and they don't do anything. So that's sort of permission to experiment, to fail, but fail fast and then change direction.
0: I was about to say that. And that's
1: really, yeah, and it's really powerful, and it's really sort of a magical view of the world. The world is full of... Magic and mystery and enchantment. It's not always linear. If it was, we wouldn't be doing magic probably because everything would be nice and organized and we'd all be safe and happy and getting what we want. No way! Life is chaotic and, and uh, both miraculous and wonderful and pretty scary and terrible. So how would
0: one use magic to help fail fast but um, be resilient?
1: comes up in um, this little document that i put out called the agile magic manifesto you you uh, mentioned at the beginning and if you go to my website you can put in your email and then you'll get a copy you'll get a link to 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 the manifesto so anyone can have it um what i talk about there is um first of all keeping your magic itself agile do things that you can do quick without a lot of huge prep and um you know, effort and, and do a lot of it. So sigils are perfect for this, right? You can whip out sigils. Yes, it's great to do them at the right time. But the point is that you can just do lots of them. And then for the resiliency piece, you have what what I think of as a posse, right? Uh, Which is your, your cadre of spiritual folks who've got your back. Uh, The first of these is usually your ancestors. Or if you have crappy ancestors, then your beloved dead of whatever kind. So folks who've passed on, but who have your back, right? So these could be literally your mom and grandma or whatever. Uh, or they could also be uh, people you cared about or people you admired, who you may not even know, but who you admired. You know, maybe you're a guitarist and Jimi Hendrix is the guy, and so you, you can work with him. So... The point being, you have this concept of of, um, beloved dead that you work with. I tell anyone I work with who has kids, definitely take a look at your dead ancestors, because even if they weren't that great to you, grandparents and great-grandparents are a sucker for babies, even when they're dead. So you can absolutely do this thing where you're like, this is my baby, I need things to be okay, so that your genetic, you know, <laughs> you, you know, legacy is safe and protected and it totally works. They'll be like, oh, OK, good luck for you. Good luck for your house. Good luck for your baby. So that's that's one of the ways to be resilient. The other way is to just keep your options open. You know, if you uh, the more the more ability you have to swing with change, the better. And um, and everybody's got to balance balance how flexible their lives can be with how stable they want their lives to be, right? Because there's a, sort of a, a balancing point. It's different for everybody, but when you keep your options open, you uh, you do better. Magic improves the odds. It has to have something to grab onto. It has to improve the odds of something, which is why, one, lottery magic doesn't work very well, because the odds are already too long, so no amount of improving is going to help you. But two, it's also why... Um, very fluffy magical goals very nebulous ones aren't really useful so if you do magic just sort of to be happier it's got to have something to latch on to so you've got to get out there and do things that you think might make you happier it's so the same with kind of a, a business or a personal goal if you want to apply your magic to something that you can lever the odds on you have to have something to put it up to so a really great example is um or writing something long, like if you want to write a book. Dude, that's a lot of work. So how does that even happen? When does it get written? How much do you write? That's the boring part. But then you have something you can leverage your magic against, and it can be super tactical. So maybe the problem is you're not getting your book written because the only time of day you have to get it written is uh, you keep getting disturbed by something else. So now you can do magic to find you a quiet space to work. Or maybe the problem is that you are not getting enough sleep, and so you're just exhausted and can't focus. So then you can work on both mundane and magical tactics for just getting the rest you need so that you're fresh and you can get all those creative ideas out. So having a sort of a kind of a mundane plan lets you then poke at it with magic and lever it in the direction you want to go. Whereas doing magic for I am a successful novelist. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't really have anything to latch on to now. If you don't sit down and write anything, then it's never going to happen no matter how much magic you do. And
0: I feel like that's what most people do. Like, I remember when I first started to learn magic, that's what I enchanted for, like the big goal. Because that's just what everybody did. But I mean, you're saying, why not enchant for finding the quiet place to write? Why not enchant for having extra time to sleep? My biggest complaint currently is that I don't have enough time to sleep. Maybe I should do magic for that because I definitely do better in my daily life if I have enough time. To, but why did I even think of that?
1: Well, and let's, uh, so let's take that as a problem. Uh, you don't have enough time to sleep. I think we might have discussed this before. But let's say you don't have enough time to sleep right now. You're super busy and productive, and that's good, right? But you don't have enough time to sleep. So let's do the five whys, you know? Why don't you have enough time to sleep?
0: Because I have a day job plus I have my creative projects.
1: So why do you have so many projects?
0: Because I wanna build um, a career change based on those projects. So I, I feel like I need to put in a lot of time. So why the career change? Because I don't like how my day job, I have to be there at a certain time and I can't take vacations whenever I want and work for somebody else.
1: Because somebody has an ultimate goal of having more freedom. Right. So we're back down to like the, the big goal. But this is smart because what I would say then is, all right, you have all this stuff to do and it's all important stuff, but you're not going to be effective at any of, at any of it if you're exhausted all the time. And in fact, what will happen is that you'll start doing bad at the things you're doing. And unfortunately, the first thing that's at risk of going badly is the thing that's paying the bills right now. So that's always a risk when you're starting new projects. They're exciting and you love them and they're getting you to freedom, but you have to maintain your life now. You can't Like lay in bed at night and do a spell, let me sleep now. As any insomniac will tell you, that's not really useful. But you can come up with a number of things that you can enchant for that'll help you get more rest. So maybe a way to spend less time commuting or a way that you can optimize your processes on your creative projects so you have a little more time there, or you can, um, and then you can take the practical goals of saying, before I go to sleep, I'm going to turn everything off for half an hour and not be overstimulated so that the sleep I get is better. And so you just dig into that. But the key thing is that you're not doing those little pieces Randomly, you're doing it in service to the larger goal, which is to get the freedom you want out of your life. So, I'm not going to say which of your hobbies will you drop, although I might say which of your hobbies is most important right now, right? And which of them aren't getting you to your goal? So, have you checked in lately and said, hmm, of all the things I'm doing, which seem to be moving me forward? You haven't? It's well, like
0: it's- you kind of forget, you know, you just get kind of caught up in daily life. And I guess that's when. Working with someone like you is helpful because it's always nice to have somebody
1: be like, stop. You're in the trenches every day. You don't get up in the morning and think about your larger goals. You get up in the morning with like this long to-do list and stuff you have to get done, people who may need you, and you gotta get busy. So you're cranking away. Everybody does this. But you have to take a moment to step back and say, all right, now it's been a couple months or a month, right? And you're saying, hmm, I did all this stuff which of them are meeting my goals, which of them are being beneficial, and which are less helpful. Because you've got the 80-20 rule, right, which is another kind of corporate ideas. Look at all those projects. Which ones are giving you the most benefit for the least time? Prioritize those. Are there any that are kind of duds that you just really like and want to keep doing? Maybe you deprioritize those.
0: What happens if you are in a situation where... Not saying you need a miracle to happen, but it's like you've done like the business plan, you've got your priorities straight and stuff. You've got a goal that is hard as fuck.
1: Miracles can happen. A miracle approach to magic, though, is more getting help from the big guns. So your saints, your gods, your goddesses, right? I mean, if if you really need the big help, if leveraging the odds don't really work, and you really need a miracle. That's something you, that's where you head with it. But in the meantime, don't skip the other pieces of it because the pro, the really, really hard goal isn't going to get less hard by ignoring the plan and the, the steps and the pieces. The other thing you consider figure out is where the block is. So I see this a lot where folks will have an extreme level of discomfort around one aspect of this process, either an aspect of project planning, like, ooh, do I really have to write down my long-term goals, ick, or an, an extreme aversion to some piece of their own project. So if there's something along the road that's really a block, something in your way, there's there's only a few things you can do. One is you can uh, dodge around it. When you hire someone to do something, the thing you just cannot bring yourself to do, that's sort of dodging around it. The other one is that you can unblock or uncross. And there's a whole category of magic that's just around this. So you can do an uncrossing working. Something's crossing you. You don't even have to know what it is. I had an experience with this where I was feeling crossed. Like in a very... And I was feeling cross about feeling cross, like I was annoyed and frustrated and things seemed blocked in my life. It was almost this sort of feeling of just being plugged up at every turn. And it was awful. And I knew at, you know, first of all, it takes a while for this to filter through your everyday busy life consciousness. And I'm, like I said, everyone is prone to this. Suddenly I'm like, yes, I'm crossed. I don't know what it is. So I worked up, um, a huge, Campaign to uncross myself, and it involved uh, calling on various beings that I work with. It involved um, it involved some. I used some of Jason's techniques from his um, you know protection and, and uh, reversal book. That that whole book of just kind of that kind of magic. Uh, I cleaned the house, literally spiritually. I cleaned the altars, literally spiritually. I did a bunch of enchantment, and I made this really powerful uncrossing oil. Where I was, you know, up with the moon and doing all this work, I did this huge push, this big campaign to uncross myself. And the good news is, it worked. The thing that was, the things that were crossing me, just disappeared, and it seemed miraculous. It seemed like that kind of very sort of spooky. How did this even happen? So just because that goal seems insurmountable doesn't usually mean that it is what's probably going on is that there's something right in front of you a wall a block that you kind of need to get around or through so you either make it go away which is kind of that whole uncrossing unblocking kind of magic you either bust through it which is probably the hardest thing to do and may not be the most effective right Let's, let's keep it smooth let's flow where the current flows or you just dodge around it and you cheat a little bit because this is your life we're talking about. If you have a fear or a phobia, yeah, maybe you should fix that at some point. But if it's keeping you from achieving your goal now, cheat, get around it. Uh, and this is the sort of thing that even if you know it's a bit of a cheat, it can help you. But then when, when
0: does one seek out therapy versus using magic to get across
1: obstacles? If your problems keep coming down to something inside yourself, then that's a block from inside you. And a therapist can help get rid of that block. I have a block with marketing. I don't need therapy to deal with my marketing phobia. I need a marketer. But if your phobia is deeper, if, if your fear is deep within you and it's blocking all your efforts to move forward, then absolutely get some help. And there's specialists who deal in, you know, the delicate, beautiful human mind and emotions. And those people are, well, those people are the people you go to. And I have actually told clients from time to time, you know, chatting this out with someone could be helpful. So let's talk about something very practical.
0: Let's say the goal is to get a healthier lifestyle. How would one go about this? Okay, let's let's assume that um, I'm the person who's going to decide, yes, I am finally going to eat right and exercise. Now what?
1: Your end goal might just be to be healthier or stronger or 10 pounds lighter or whatever it is. But on a day-to-day basis, you have to make small incremental habit changes. And there's a couple different techniques you can use. So, and this is a great example, uh, exercise. Um, The very best thing you can do if you want to get more exercise is reach out, shut the computer off, get up, walk outside and keep walking do it right now don't wait one second do the very first thing and then do that again and then do it again after a while you might decide well maybe i should join a gym or i want to pump weights or i but don't get caught in that if only i have the right clothes and gym membership and thing and absolute technique and i can i can buy this dvd online and or this machine don't do any of that get up turn the machine off go for a walk I have a couple of dogs and they keep me honest about the whole going for a walk thing because I'm not a hugely exercisey person. This is something that I find personally challenging is to get enough exercise, getting up, getting for a walk. So that's the sort of do the immediate next thing right now. Nutrition is different. If you open the door to your fridge and it's all like soda and cake, you're not going to just immediately fix your diet. No, you have to pre-prep some stuff. What sort of things do you want to eat and do you have the time to make them? And then do you have the ingredients and when can you get them? And the key thing for that sort of plan is you, um, you have to lay stuff out in advance. So if you want a smoothie for breakfast, like a nice green smoothie, that's great. But it won't work until you get a blender and you go buy smoothie ingredients. So that's a second method of sort of uh, approaching a problem is to say what foundation pieces aren't in place. Now, let's talk about the magic because we don't want to forget that. If you're, if you're wanting to exercise more, then the best thing you can do is start now. And the best thing you can enchant for is uh to keep things from blocking you from doing that. Right? So why don't you go for a walk every day? Well, is it because of this person or this situation or this experience? So enchant to help get those out of the way so that you're, you just have your chance to have your walk in terms of diet. This is where, uh, avoiding temptation kinds of enchantments can be really good, right? So uh, just kind of uh, talismans for not being tempted by the bevy of sweet gooey things that seems to come at us from every corner in society. But the most important thing for being healthy is that it seems often people want kind of complex but easy systems Oh, I'm on the whatever whatever diet. It tells me what to eat every day, but it's super complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth is that the easy but hard thing is what you need to do, which is like sleep more, eat vegetables, get up and walk around. Super easy, really hard to do. And then the third then the other piece is if you if you're going to do them consistently, you have to build a habit. And I'm as prone to eating crap as the next person, so I don't want to be all like high and mighty. Everyone struggles to have better health because we have an environment that sort of does everything possible to keep us from having better health. Right? There's all sorts of gooey sweet things, they're cheap, whereas organic vegetables aren't. The key thing you can do is trigger yourself to to build the habit. So a habit and I'm basing this on this book called Habits, which I recommend, um, it has a, like a trigger, and then it has the payoff, and then it has the, the results. So something triggers you to have a habit. So like if, if, uh, if you're a smoker, for example, there's usually times of day where you're like, oh, that was a nice dinner, now I need a cigarette. Or, oh, it's break time at work, that means cigarettes. So you have this trigger, and then you have this payoff. What you have to do is, if you want to break a bad habit, is you keep the trigger because they're ingrained in your brain, but you change the payoff. Right. So you see, you're like, instead of smoking, I'll do this other thing, but the trigger's the same. So it's dinner. Now it's time for a walk around the block. It's not easy, but it's simple. That's how you swap it out. Now to build a habit from scratch, you have to have, um, the right trigger. So, and they can be immediate or they can be longer term. So if I go to the farmer's market and I come home with this big basket of vegetables, What's the trigger? You know what? If I take half an hour and wash and clean and organize all those vegetables and stuff them in the fridge, we're a lot more likely to eat them because they're already ready to go. It's triggered me to say, oh, that, put them in the pan, eat some vegetables. Now we're eating more vegetables. Life is good. Um, You can have a trigger for, um, you know, avoiding a treat. Um, At my office on Fridays, there's donuts in the break room. At my office on Fridays, I don't go to the break room. (laughs) because I just don't want to see them and if I see them it's so much harder so instead I have a different trigger I'll be like oh in the morning on Friday I you know maybe I'll bring tea in or maybe I'll have you know a a snack of my own to to nibble on and then I won't have to go to the break room I won't have to see the donuts
0: what if you're not a goal-setting person like setting goals feels restrictive
1: they're your goals I mean, nobody's mom and dad going, you said you wanted to be a doctor, you're letting us all down here. No, they're entirely your goals. And they're completely adjustable. Make a goal and try it out. And if it doesn't work, make a different goal. But the other thing is that your goal can be adventure. Your goal can be freedom. Your goal can be uh, a lack of restrictions on your life. That's a totally legitimate goal. How do you get there? Because the risk is, by never creating a goal and just sort of floating along, maybe you kind of end up somewhere cool or maybe not, but you didn't really have anything to do with it either way, right? The other thing to keep in mind is that just because you have a goal and you have some ideas how to get there doesn't mean that you're closed off to synchronicity in your life or your own intuition or magic happening. No, you're open to those things. And when they happen you can look at and see how they're getting you toward your ultimate goal. Big
0: lessons I've learned in life is when you're about 70% ready, you just start. Then along the way, like more than half the time, I will change like the initial goal. Like sometimes I'll radically change it. Mm-hmm. But when it's satisfying is when maybe they look radically different, but they're both going towards the same North star. Like the goal that we were working on together for me, it's completely different from what I'm doing right now, but it's going towards the same freedom. It's going towards that same feeling, that same ultimate priority versus there have been times where, you know, like the goal was going towards something that was priority wise and just the goal wise, completely different. You know, so it was like a complete Mm -hmm. shift in almost like personality, and then it just felt like fucking weird and icky. But as long as the North Star is like the same, then it's sort of like northeast, northwest, you're still going north.
1: And I think the way to view this is that the goal is not the top level here. A goal is like some sort of, okay, this is the thing I want to accomplish by this sort of period of time, and there's lots and lots of tools to help people get there. That's not, that's not the really key part. you know a company might change its plans as it goes. So like if a company, what's a company's goal? A company's goal is always to make money Mm -hmm. by charter. Corporations are supposed to do that. And that makes them shallow, but it also is useful. How do you make money? Well, they might not know year to year what makes money. You have to try stuff out. Those are the goals. The goal is to try it out and then it doesn't work. And then you try something else. But your vision for your life is still that kind of North star. So you create a vision and companies do this, right? They have visions and mission statements and values that everyone underneath always ignores. Yeah. Uh, but you can do it for your life. You can have a mission and a vision and a statement of intent. And then of course your goals will change because life changes. And it would be worse if you, if you, if you met every single goal you ever set without thinking about whether that goal was still a good idea or whether um, you were going in the right direction or getting toward your vision, that would be a mistake. It would be a failure
0: to achieve the wrong goal. Integrity, I think that's what it really comes down to, right? Knowing yourself and having integrity about who you are. And as long as you have that, then whatever goals you set and the magic you do on top of it, it's all going towards this end goal that is you being more of you. So you're never going to lose. Right. It's a win-win situation.
1: It is a win-win situation. Failing at stuff or not achieving the things you tried is just a part of the process of life, right? So, I mean, the the end goal for every single human is the same, because eventually you die. Yeah. So in the meantime, you just try to move in the right direction. You experiment and play and try to have an interesting life and get the things that you want. And um, if your vision for your life is just a few years out, is clear now, it can also change. That's the irony about this project stuff, is that having a plan is better than not having one. Even though the odds of you getting exactly where you thought on the path you figured is rare, right? It's much more common to go sideways and have strange detours and weird opportunities. And if you're doing magic, it's even more common, which is why this agile thing works. Because it says, go in small pieces, have that end vision in mind, but go in little pieces and check in frequently.
0: Ivy, what are two or three songs that you feel describe your magic the best?
1: Songs that describe my magic. Yeah, what pops into your mind? Waking the Witch by Kate Bush.
0: <laughs>
1: it's just a very witchy song, and my <laughs> magic tends to be some more witchy. Uh, Mysterious Ways.
0: It's alright, alright, alright,
1: Ship- Kind of how I think about my spirituality, and then the third one, which is might be the weirdest one you get, is The Gambler by Kenny Rogers, which is an absolute story about. A guy who has this kind of like meets this shaman on a train in the night and gets this kind of shamanic initiation for dealing with life, and it's all bundled up in this like two verse country song.
0: So my stepdad, who's like this you know Korean dude from Korea, an immigrant, uh, he loved Kenny Rogers. So in his car, he would always play Kenny Rogers. I know almost all of Kenny Rogers' like greatest hits. Like I can do <laughs> any karaoke. And I will bust out some Kenny Rogers. I will kill it. So guys, let us know in the comments below, like how do you feel about putting magic on top of your mundane actions? Like what is your North Star? And how can you plan it out, not in a rigid way, but create a plan so that, you know, that saying, you like plan to go to the moon or you shoot for the stars, but you land in, oh, you know what I'm saying. I'm like totally fucking up that cliche, but. It's you make the plan, but even if you don't reach it, you will still end up in the stars. Like,
1: how do you feel about that? Just let us know.
0: Ivy, thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really
0: appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches, so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.